Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Uh, Just a couple days away, there's a big game coming up on Saturday afternoon. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's wondering if Indiana can get the win at home in Assembly Hall against unanimous number one, first time this season, by the way, that they've had the unanimous support of the Associated Press voters, number one Purdue Boilermakers. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Four o'clock afternoon game, prime time, rocking, uh, big one coming up. And I do expect a a real battle in Bloomington on Saturday afternoon. It should be a lot of fun. Purdue is a great team. You've got to wonder, could this be the year that Purdue finally makes a major run in the NCAA tournament? Could this be the year that they break through to the Final Four. They've got that kind of team, very smart team. They've got lots of size uh, and have been fairly dominant in the conference really from start until now. Uh, So it's a big challenge for Indiana coming up, that's for sure, but it should be a fun one. And the good thing is we're in February, but we've got that big game coming up twice this month. It's one of the protected rivalries in the Big Ten Conference, as it should be, which means every year you get a game at Indiana, you get uh, another version of the game at Purdue, and uh, that will be a lot of fun. Two matchups coming up to help close out uh, the regular season here over the next month or so. So a lot of fun ahead this month. Some great basketball coming our way. Let's take a look at the show lineup. It's a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up in moments. We've got some news and notes, uh, some headlines of the day. We'll take a look at IU and uh, start to talk about Purdue. Also, the IU women were in action last night. They cruised to a win against Minnesota. Uh, We'll take a look at a couple local football signings to note. Girls sectional, there was some action last night and a lot more action tonight, especially up at the 4A sectional at Bedford, and uh, plenty more coming your way here in the opening segment. Later in the show, Rick Bozich is filling in for his son, Alex. Alex with Inside the Hall always with us on IU Basketball every Thursday. Rick, of course, with WDRB Television and WDRB.com in Louisville. He will check in to help us start the conversation on Indiana-Purdue. And with Rick, I get him on, oh, once a month, once every couple months at least. Uh, We'll we'll step back after we talk some about Indiana and the IU-Purdue game and just get his feel for the area. What a year it's been, indiana had its rough moments. They've been surging as of late. Louisville finally last night 
got its first ACC conference win under Kenny Payne. That is unbelievable. Uh, on February 1st, uh, that's got to be a record, the, first, the latest in a season that Louisville's ever recorded their first conference win. And, of course, Kentucky, they've had their fair share of problems as well. They seem to be playing better. They seem to have turned a corner as well. But uh, Rick's covered college basketball in this area for a long time, and it's definitely been a different, different season for some of the local teams this year. Later in the show, Brian Sullivan, he's with WNAS New Albany, the high school station at New Albany High School. He's the radio television instructor there. He's going to jump on with us later in the hour for a real quick chat on girls' sectional action. We'll take a look at what happened last night, and we'll preview the matchups tonight and kind of tell you what things could look like this weekend, specifically Saturday night in some of the championship games here in the area for our local teams. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Right now, you can get your text in. Uh, you can text me during the show at 502-414-1450. Again, 502 414 1450. That's the Thornton's text line. And uh, right now at Thornton's, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. So again, IU Purdue predictions, thoughts, questions, comments, whatever it may be. You headed to a girls sectional tonight, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. All right, let's get into some headlines of the day. First and foremost, Indiana and Purdue coming up. Uh, we heard from Mike Woodson yesterday. No real surprises, no real changes in anything as far as the injury report goes. We still don't know a ton about Jordan Geronimo, who now has left, uh, uh, been absent, I should say, or not played uh, in two games, the last two games for the Hoosiers. So he's kind of a question mark out there. Also, Xavier Johnson, we believe he's closer to returning. Could it happen here at some point in the next few weeks? It sounds likely, but that is all based on rumors, that is for sure. Um, Indiana Purdue, though, looking ahead to the game. Um, obviously, I think one of the keys that we all think about is how does Indiana uh, guard or try to slow down or stop somewhat Zach Eady, the big seven foot four Zach Eady from Purdue, who has just been on absolute tear this season. How does Indiana protect the offensive glass with Eady down there and those long reach, that height he's got, those long arms? He obviously is going to be a real key to the game. Can he stay out of foul trouble? Can Indiana find a good scheme? To guard him, how have other teams guarded him this season? One of the things kind of thinking about with the Purdue game. Also, last night Purdue was in action. They were a winner. And Mason Gillis, a 6'6 junior who redshirted one of his early years, he's from Newcastle. He's normally not the standout scorer or a big shooter for the team. He's kind of a, a rebounder and a defensive glue guy. He had nine three-pointers last night. Uh, for Purdue, and uh, unbelievable, 9 of 3 points, led Purdue with 29 points uh, in their victory last night. So does he continue that kind of shooting at Assembly Hall? I wouldn't think so, but he definitely was absolutely red hot 
last night. So that's kind of one of the other things to watch. A player really coming on for the Boilermakers recently has been uh, has been Mason Gillis of Newcastle. Then, of course, Purdue's starting backcourt, you know, Braden Smith. He's an Indiana guy. Fletcher Lawyer transferred into the state, played his senior year at Homestead, and Ethan Morton. Uh, they were pretty quiet last night, but a very solid backcourt. When I think of Braden Smith and Lawyer and those guys, very solid. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Can Indiana first force those guys into some, some uh, havoc and possibly some turnovers on Saturday? That could be a key to the game as well. So just a couple early IU-Purdue thoughts. Obviously, everybody looking forward to seeing uh, the Edie and TJD matchup. And, you know, the matchup as far as who can outscore, who can outdo the other. I think it's going to be fun to watch those guys both come into this rivalry game playing great, great basketball at this point of the season. IU women last night, I do my best to keep you posted on them. I know a lot of you that I hear from have become diehard fans of the women's team, and they are really, really fun to watch. I've said that a number of times this season, but uh, if you get a chance and you haven't seen them, I know they're not always on some of the national networks. The Big Ten Network has done a much better job in recent seasons getting uh, basically, I think, every conference game on some which way. But Indiana is fun to watch. They are continuing to roll, and they absolutely crushed Minnesota on the road last night, 77-54 was the final score in that contest. Indiana playing Great basketball. They are up to number two in the country. Shooting it well. uh, Just playing with a lot of intensity. Sidney Parrish had a big game last night. They are absolutely rolling right now. And it's going to be really, really fun to see what the rest of the season, what the Big Ten Women's Tournament, what the NCAA Women's Tournament looks like for Indiana. you got to believe, unless there's some crazy upset, that this team has a chance to be a Final Four team. you got to believe that they are in contention here as we get into February for a number one seed in the NCAA Women's Tournament. That is, that's really cool. Going to be a lot of fun to see what they can get done. It's kind of been a stair step upwards for IU basketball. The women in recent years, they've uh, went to the Elite Eight. They've done some really good things in the conference. They've been nationally ranked. Their recruiting has picked up. And the next step for them, I think, is to make a, a breakthrough to the Final Four, kind of like we mentioned with Purdue earlier. Can this be the year the Purdue men make that kind of breakthrough to the uh, Final Four in the tournament? Can this be the year that the IU women do something something similar as well? Also, a couple local notes, some football signings. From local standouts, William Spencer, who is a a New Albany senior. He transferred to the Bulldogs football program after starting his high school career at Mail High School in Louisville. He's been an outstanding prospect now for a great part of his high school career, and he announced yesterday that he has committed and signed with the University of Louisville and, of course, new coach Jeff Brom. So a big local commitment, and uh, it seems like Coach Brom really making a splash locally in Louisville and the surrounding areas. And, of course, getting uh, Spencer, who is now at New Albany, a big get. But he picked U of L over Kentucky and Michigan State of the Big Ten Conference. And, of course, no surprise, he said the former Purdue coach, Jeff Brom, was definitely a big factor in his decision. So uh, a local player, even though he was only at New Albany for one year, headed to play big-time Division I football. And staying close uh, at Louisville is a really neat deal. Also, New Albany also announced yesterday Elijah Jennings, a senior, has signed with the University of Indianapolis as well. He's a uh, six foot, 220-pound 
uh, running back and linebacker, and he had a really good season. He rushed for more than 1,000 yards and had more than 100 tackles last season for the Bulldogs, who had a solid year, just okay. And uh, But two big commitments yesterday, especially the Division One commitment to the UofL by Spencer as well. A couple uh, notes on girls' high school basketball last night. Southwestern and Austin also winners in the 2A Austin sectional last night. Uh, in those contests last night, uh, Southwestern defeated Henryville, one of our local teams from Clark County, by a final score of 45-35. to 35. Not really an upset. Southwestern, a nine-win team as they move on. Henryville finishes the season at 6-17. and 17. The other game, Clarksville and Austin, Austin hammered Clarksville. They got off to a quick start, 13-5, as uh, Clarksville uh, finishes the season 5-18. And, and Austin moves on to the uh, Friday night semifinals in their uh, own 2A sectional there at Austin. Also, 1A basketball last night. As far as the girls' sectionals go, Rock Creek got off to a 14-0 start and defeated Christian Academy 52-42 last night as Rock Creek, under the direction of Sarah Nord, a former Miss Basketball in our state and former UofL standout, uh, will move on to a Friday semifinal as well. Rock Creek 15-6 and six on the season. That is by far the best record that I believe that uh, girls program there has ever had. And also a shout-out to Christian Academy and uh, Coach Casey. She had a good year, 9-13, and 13, uh, a much improved record from recent seasons. Both of those programs seem to be going uh, in the right direction as well. Don't forget Thursday night is a huge night for high school basketball this week on the boys' side because of all the girls' sectionals set for Friday and Saturday night. So boys' games tonight, I know that's going to conflict with some of the sectionals that were bumped back to Thursday, like the 4A sectional up at Bedford tonight, the girls' sectional. But, uh, of course, weather forces uh, some double up there on tonight. But also a lot of games Saturday afternoon as well. So busy, busy weekend, especially Thursday through Saturday night with girls' sectionals and boys' basketball and just a ton of games going on in the area and should be some pretty good girls' sectional games tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show today. That's uh, what we've got here in the first segment. We'll head to a commercial break. Rick Bozich of WDRB will join in segment two. We'll talk IU and preview the upcoming Hoosiers and Boilermakers game. We'll also talk some other college hoops topics with Rick. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dittison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Thursday edition of the program. This segment brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, where you can save 25% during their pre-grand opening sale at all three locations. They've got two in downtown New Albany and their newest location on Veterans Parkway in Jeffersonville. The Thornton's text line is open. Uh, Questions, comments on IU basketball and local sports. 
502-414-1450 is the number. Again, 502-414 is the Thornton's, uh, 414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Rick Bozich with us today in place of his son, Alex. Rick, great to have you with us to talk some IU basketball. And uh, congratulations as well. I know you recently were inducted into a Hall of Fame in Indiana of media broadcasters and writers, a very uh, deserving honor, and wanted to congratulate you on that. Well, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate that. It was um, a surprising honor. Wasn't expecting it, wasn't thinking about it. And when I got the call, actually it was several months ago, I had to be quiet for a few months. Um, I was quite honored. So looking forward to the ceremony in, uh, I think it's Franklin, Indiana, in the middle of April. And anytime you're at a um, gathering where Don Fisher is the primary honoree, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, congratulations again, and thanks for being with us today. Uh, your thoughts, we haven't talked for some time. IU basketball has had lots of ups and downs, most recently a five-game win streak until it was snapped on the road earlier this week at Maryland. But what's your overview on the Hoosiers right now? Yeah, I mean, after they went in that three-game losing streak, which had followed the, you know, non-competitive performances really against Kansas and Rutgers, thought they were in big trouble, especially with the injuries to Ray Thompson and Xavier Johnson. Uh, but they put it together nicely there, and uh, a little bit of step back against Maryland. Um, some of the same issues that they've had all year um, came up again in terms of lack of um, effective play from their perimeter guys, uh, especially in that game, Jalen hood Shafino. Um, but, you know, they need to win one of the next two, and that won't be easy because Purdue obviously is, is the best team in the country. They seem to be separating themselves from everybody else night by night when you look at Alabama getting drilled over the weekend and Tennessee losing last night. Purdue hasn't had any ugly games like that. And second, and then they play Rutgers at home, and we all know that Rutgers is – pretty much dominated Indiana uh, for the last three or four seasons. So we'll see what, they, what they've got uh, in the next two games at Assembly Hall. Rick Bozich, WDRB, my guest. We're talking IU basketball. But I do want to ask you this, and I kind of posed this question earlier in the show today. Could this be the year that Purdue breaks through and gets to the Final Four and truly competes for a national championship? They've been close. They've had... Uh, a really good program now for years and years. I think Matt Painter is widely recognized as one of the really good coaches in high major Division One basketball. But do you think this Purdue team has what it takes to make that kind of run or to break through? Uh, sure, um, for a variety of reasons. One is I think there's some hunger there because you got some guys on this team who um, aren't happy with what's happened the last two seasons when they, they've gotten beat in games that they were favored to win. Two, uh, they've got the guy who's certainly the front runner among many people, the uh, consensus choice for National Player of the Year, and Zach Eady, who's a matchup problem for whoever needs to go against them. And three is um, they got different guys who can really step up and play big uh, on, on different nights, whether it's you know the freshman Fletcher Lawyer or last night it was Mason Gillis. Did I hear you get nine threes? Is that correct? Nine threes um, last night, led Purdue with, I think, 29 points. That's crazy. That's a guy I think that Archie Miller and his staff didn't think was quite good enough for Indiana to yeah. recruit very hard. So that was a whiff. Um, 
Yeah, so when you've got that kind of, you know, they got veteran guys. My only question about Purdue uh, is two freshman guards. And I know they played great all year, uh, but I don't remember um, a team that has, what the last team was that won a national championship with two freshman guards. I mean, Kentucky's gotten there with two freshman guards, but we're talking about, you know, guards who later go on to play in the NBA. Um, but these kids have, you know, so far nobody's been able to take advantage of them. So, um, yeah, I, I like Purdue's chances to as well as anybody because, as I said, you know, Alabama was riding high and they just got smoked by Oklahoma. And Tennessee has two or three questionable losses already on their resume. The way they played at home against Kentucky, they lost early in the year to Colorado. Uh, Purdue hasn't had any games like that in its resume. I mean, they've, they lost one game, and that was to Rutgers, uh, and it was a one-possession game right at home. Yep. So you, you really can't look at their record and say, yeah, they look kind of shaky here. It hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Rick Bozich, WDRB, talking uh, IU basketball. Let's get back to the Hoosiers, and this is another question, a topic that I think has come up a lot of places, and Alex and I had this same conversation a week or two ago, but Rick, you've covered IU basketball for years and years. Um, where does Trace Jackson Davis have a chance to finish as far as the all-time greats? We know where he's at on the scoring list, and he's the leader in blocks, and he's moving up the rebounding list as well, but as far as overall as an IU legend, where does he have a chance to fit in? You know, to really become an icon, I think he's going to have to do something beyond just numbers. I mean, he's going to have to – I don't think Indiana can win the regular season championship in the Big Ten. They're too far behind Purdue. But, like, win a Big Ten tournament, you know, at least get Indiana to the Sweet 16, uh, you know, something like that. I mean, that, that's the big gaping hole in, what he's, in what's going on there. And I know that uh, the, the first year there wasn't even an NCAA tournament. And then uh, the, trying to think the next year they didn't make it, right? The sophomore year, that was the year Archie Miller got fired. Yeah, they didn't make right. it. And then last year they beat Wyoming and got drubbed by St. Mary's. So do something in the tournament. I mean, the guys who are really, you know, who do you consider the, the Mount Rushmore guys? It's, you know, Isaiah Thomas, who won a national championship. It's Quinn Buckner who, uh, and Scott May, who were on the, you know, the teams that won back-to-back, undefeated back-to-back seasons in the Big Ten and won a national championship undefeated. Kent Benson, uh, you know, Steve Alford, those guys. Cheney's the only one, you know, close to that group who he got to a Final Four, uh, didn't win a national title, but I think he won Big Ten titles. So, at Indiana, I think uh, there still is an appreciation for what you achieve in the Big Ten. So, I'd say for Trace Jackson Davis, you know, to win a Big Ten tournament, I know a lot of people, other conference tournaments don't matter. They kind of do or should matter to Indiana because they've never won one. If you're on the team that wins the Big Ten tournament for the first time ever, that that would be a nice credential to say, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a top ten player all time in Indiana. Because I, I mean, I guess he is now because of numbers. But I mean, it, it depends on how you evaluate players. I mean, Quinn Buckner didn't have great numbers, but he's an all time Indiana player. Uh, Isaiah Thomas was only there for two years. He's an all time Indiana player. I mean. Indiana's had a lot of really good big men through the years, whether you start with, you know, Walt Bellamy and you, you can throw in uh, Kent Benson, uh, Alan Henderson, Ray Talbert, Landon Turner, uh, Cody Zeller, whoever else you want, and Jackson Davis has numbers with all those guys. But 
you know, he needs another, he needs that other kind of credential. I like how you framed it. This has come up with a number of the IU beat writers that join the show. And yes, his numbers indicate he's on that list, but maybe we could call it he needs a signature item, an NCAA tournament yep. run, a Big Ten tournament championship. I think that cements him no matter what the numbers are. I, I like how you put that. It's a team. It's a che- He needs a team achievement. It's not just individual stuff. He needs a team type achievement of like, you know, he showed leadership this year and when he did it last year, I mean, the reason Indiana made it to the um, semifinals of the Big Ten tournament is in those two games against Michigan and Illinois, Trace Jackson Davis elevated his level of play and made sure Indiana won those two games, especially the Michigan game, and it looked like they were beat. So he can do that. He's capable of doing it. And certainly the way he's played, you know, the last three or four weeks, I know everybody uh, in the national media has gotten behind Zach Eady as the not only Big Ten player of the year, a national player of the year, but you can certainly argue, argue that Trace Jackson Davis's play over the last three or four weeks has been every bit as good as Zach Eady's. I mean, it has been. So that's, you know, uh, this Saturday is a fascinating game on a multitude of levels, um, and, and that's one of them. I mean, this is Trace Jackson Davis's opportunity on national TV to go against the consensus national player of the year, and if he outplays him and Indiana wins the game, he can change the narrative a little bit. Rick, another IU player I wanted to bring up with you today is Jalen hood Shafino, a freshman. Again, you've seen a lot of great college freshmen in our coverage area of Indiana, Louisville, and Kentucky over the years, especially with the big-time players that Kentucky has brought in year after year, it seems, as freshmen. But where does he stand as far as college freshmen in the country, in your opinion? And is it very possible that his time in Bloomington is short, maybe as short as just one season? Yeah, my guess is, if you ask me today, that he'll put his name in the draft. He'll at least do that, and I would think if he gets a, um, you know, first a first round projection that he'd leave. Um, the only caveat I would have over that is, you know, if it's like late first round, what kind of NIL deal there would be that could counter that. But my guess is he won't be there next year. He seems like a guy who um, has impressed NBA scouts with his play, especially the way he played in the Ohio State game. Uh, and I backed it up with his worst game of the year against Maryland. Um, he's got NBA size. He's got NBA handle. Uh, he does have to improve his shot and be more consistent. We saw that in the Maryland game. And he, he did hit all those threes, I think six, against Ohio State. Um, he's, I wouldn't say he's first-team freshman All-American at this point, but he, he could play his way in there. He's probably in the top ten, but not the top five at this point. Rick Bozich, WDRB.com, is where you can read his work. Joining us here to talk some IU basketball and college hoops as well. One other IU question, and then I want to survey you on a couple things with Louisville and Kentucky, since I know you you cover them, pay a lot of attention to them as well. Uh, For Indiana, sounds like the rumor mill and maybe what Xavier Johnson has indicated on his Twitter account, uh, that he could be returning soon for the Hoosiers. Indiana generally has played well without him. There have been some moments where you think, gosh, Xavier Johnson and his ability to lead the offense or ability to defend may have come in handy there. But generally, Indiana has played well without him. How much of a trick bag is Coach Woodson in to uh, return him to the lineup when he's healthy, when he's available, or is he just that type of player and has earned that type of respect that he he goes right back into the lineup full-fledged regardless? Um, You know, I don't think he goes in 
full bore right off the bat, not only from the standpoint of, you know, just breaking somebody in and, and undoing the combinations that have worked, but also in terms of the injury he's coming off, I don't think he can just throw him back out there and play him 30 minutes a game. Got a, a foot injury like that. I mean, I don't think it's still going to be back for a couple more weeks myself. It's kind of a quick heal from what I believe he had done. But, you know, when he is ready to go and he and he's and they really are confident using him, I, I think you got to put him back in there because he gives them a couple of things they don't have all the time without him. And one is he's their most tenacious on-the-ball defender, uh, and they need that. And they could have used it against Maryland. There were several occasions, I don't remember the Maryland guard's name, but they just, you know, they, they isolated and the got beat on straight line dribble by, by the Maryland kid. I think Xavier Johnson could have stopped some of that. And secondly, and I know his shot doesn't look great because it's sort of a set push shot, but he did shoot the ball well uh, last year uh, from distance. And they could use another guy uh, who can make threes. I mean, uh, Hood Shafino, we've seen, is very inconsistent. Trey Galloway has made him at a much higher level than I think a lot of people expect him to. Miller Cop either can't get open or they don't get him open. Bates is streaky. I think, you know, with, with Trey Jackson Davis's ability to pass out of the post uh, and the way he worked last year down the stretch with Xavier Johnson and the pick and roll, I think Xavier Johnson is a, is a big plus on defense and, and he's a plus on offense. Rick, let's go to the Thornton's text line for a quick question. Uh, Texter says, any ideas, Rick, on how serious the illness or injuries are to Logan Duncombe or Jordan Geronimo? We need them. I don't know that you'll have any real insight there as things are pretty protected when it comes to illnesses and injuries, but any insight on Geronimo especially who's missed the last two games? I haven't heard anything about what his availability might be. Um, Seems like it's a dealing with some kind of an ankle sprain to me when he's wearing a boot like that. Um, so I don't know whether it was a high or low ankle sprain. The fact that he didn't play again against Maryland leads me to believe that even if he does play against Purdue, uh, it wouldn't be a lot of minutes, although they could probably use him even some minutes. Uh, the, maybe the minutes that, that Caleb Banks is getting, because I'm not sure Purdue's a great matchup for him because he's physically, you know, he needs more time in the weight room. I don't know anything at all about Duncan. It's, he's missed a lot of time over the last two seasons for a variety of reasons. And I think I, maybe I'm in the minority, but I thought going into the year that Duncan would have a role precisely in these kinds of games. If you remember last year when Indiana beat Purdue in Assembly Hall, I think Trace Jackson Davis only played 11 minutes. He got in foul trouble. And Michael Durr played the majority of the game in the post and did well against Zach Eady because he had the bulk and size to do that. Uh, and I, I thought, you know, looking down the road, what's, where's Logan Duncombe's value? It was going to be in games when Indiana played against Zach Eady or Hunter Dickinson or some of the big, you know, thicker centers in the Big Ten, and we haven't seen that. So um, you know, that's, that's something they're going to have to, when Jackson Davis isn't in there, I mean, who's going to guard Zach Eady? I guess it's going to be Ray Thompson. I don't think he's going to be very effective because he's not healthy, first of all, and he's undersized. 
Rick Bozich, WDRB. Just got a text from Alex, who is listening. He said Coach Woodson said in his presser this morning, which I've not heard yet, that uh, Geronimo has a calf strain and that Duncombe is out with a sinus infection, just to kind of answer the, the question well, in a little bit more detail to the texture. Okay. So there you go. Okay. Rick, uh, well. want to bring up Louisville with you. The Cardinals last night got their first win uh, in ACC play under Kenny Payne. Hard to believe it came on February 1. Yeah, I mean, it's been surreal going to games there for more than a year. Um, having lived here in, since 78 and covered Louisville basketball since the 81-82 season uh, to go into Louisville games and watch, you know, the losses that have mounted uh, last season and this season and go into the building and see, you know, an arena that's left in half full. I never, ever thought I would see that, but... Uh, us happy for the players and happy for the coaching staff that they got to win last night because I will say this, that, you know, as unsatisfying and, and as, um, you know, deflating as the season has been, I don't think they've quit. I think they have tried uh, to, to, you know, get better every week. It hasn't always happened. I don't they they've kind of, went the wrong way in the last two or three weeks, but uh, for them to get that win against Georgia Tech and, and stop to talk about an 0-20 season and all that kind of stuff, good for them. And that they won by 10 points uh, made it even better for them. Absolutely. Rick Bozich, WDRB, filling in for his son Alex of Inside the Hall. Rick, great to catch up. Uh, fun times ahead. It's February. That means that conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament and so many of the things that I know we all really enjoy are just around the corner. So uh, great to chat with you today, and uh, we'll do it again here real soon. All right. Thanks. Anytime, Matt. All right. Rick Bozich with us today. Uh, very kind of him to jump on late notice and join us here for our Thursday program. You can read what Rick's work at WDRB.com. Lots of great columns, lots of great coverage from Rick and Eric Crawford and the WDRB sports team, and it's always fun to catch up with Rick when he joins us here on the program today. We'll uh, head to a commercial break when we come back. A little bit on girls' sectionals. They're in the spotlight this week. The weather messed things up a little bit on Tuesday, but uh, things are rolling now as the week moves on. Semifinal games set for Friday night, Saturday night championship games across the area. And Brian Sullivan of WNAS New Albany going to join us in the next segment as we take a look around some of the local sectionals, what's happened this week, and what could play out this weekend. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Thursday program. Time to talk a little girls' sectional action. Brian Sullivan of WNAS New Albany, the high school radio instructor at New Albany High School, joins us for a quick segment. 
Brian, sectionals tonight, but there's been a lot of sectional action this week as well. One of the big games that's been played so far did not involve local teams, but could have an effect on local teams, and it was Bedford beating Jennings County last night in what could have been the game of the 4A sectional at Bedford. You know, and, and you'd hope maybe it was going to be a little bit more competitive than what it wound up being. Uh, these teams have played in the sectional finals two or three years in a row, and both of those games have been decided by five or six points. Uh, Jennings County had some injuries early in the season that knocked uh, you know, their second-best player out of the lineup for the year, and that's probably the one additional piece they needed to really give Bedford a hard time. Uh, but, you know, I watched that game last night. Bedford jumped out to a 16-3 to lead and basically maintained that the rest of the way. Uh, Chloe Spring rolled an ankle. She was not as effective as she normally uh, is in these games. But they're such a balanced team this year, and they get a lot of contributions from you know all their starters and go a couple players deep that they were able to overcome it. So um, I think Bedford probably feels good to be getting that out of the way because Jennings County has had some confidence playing against them in the sectional finals in recent years. And so to get those jitters out of the way and have the team that you viewed as probably your biggest obstacle um, out of the way has got to be comforting for, for the Stars. Absolutely. Brian, let's take uh, listeners through tonight at Bedford. A lot of local basketball, local teams in action there. Floyd and Silver Creek, New Albany will also be in action as well up at BNL tonight. Yeah, you got to figure that the uh, the eyes of the state in terms of girls basketball is going to be down this direction because there's only uh, three or four sectionals having any games being played tonight all in the southern part of the state, and we're the only forays uh, going on besides over at Evansville Harrison. So, um, yeah, I think people, if they follow basketball in this area, these are all very young teams that are going to be on display. You know, Seymour's a lot of freshmen and juniors. Silver Creek, mostly freshmen and sophomores. There's underclassmen uh, at New Albany and Floyd, too. So this is a good opportunity if people have not seen these teams to start becoming familiar with kids that you're going to be seeing for the next two or three years and are really going to be the next wave of um, you know strong teams in this area. Have been in the past, and I think are gearing for that up. Uh, but Floyd and Silver Creek to start off, and they had an overtime game back in December. And then New Albany and Seymour just squared off last week. Um, not as close as the games were last year, but um, you know New Albany lost by two in the regular season a year ago and then played right down the last three or four minutes in the sectionals. So there's potential for some pretty good games over there tonight. Talking with Brian Sullivan, he's with WNAS New Albany and uh, getting in some girls' sectional uh, conversation here with some games tonight and, of course, semifinal games on Friday and championship games on Saturday. But I like the setup of the week. Number one, it gives us basketball basically every night this week. But number two, it puts the girls with center stage. They get the Friday night semifinals. They get the Saturday night championship games. The boys, they are relegated to Thursday and Saturday afternoon for the most part. And I think that's the way it should be. Oh, I agree, absolutely. And it, it's, the only drawback is, you know, you always have those Thursday night games, and it, it didn't really affect most of the teams in the state. But, um, you know, me personally, I would have really been curious to see the Jennings County boys tonight, but I, I think we absolutely have an obligation to cover state tournament action um, as the priority there. Uh, and so, you know, um, 
if people need to tune in and listen to Jennings County, uh, we can we can let them know the North Vernon station. But uh, you know, we would hope that fans will get out to Bedford tonight. I know it's a little bit of a drive for the three local teams to get up there, but it, it should be really really good action uh, in two very competitive ball games. You got a lot of good coaches up there, and like I said, a lot of really really nice young talent. And I think the fact that you know the teams whoever wins tonight, you don't have to think about it too much longer you're going to turn right back around and be in action tomorrow night and then um you know, championship game so if it's if it's one of the teams playing tonight having to go three games in three nights and have bedford waiting on the other side potentially um you will know that you have earned anything that you came through here running that gauntlet absolutely talking uh, girls sectional action brian sullivan of wnas new albany my guest Let's look at some of the other sectionals. Providence had a big win earlier in the week in 2A. Of course, kind of keeping an eye on Lanesville this week as well in 1A. They've got a great chance to make some noise, although they could face some good competition Saturday night against Bedford. But uh, maybe some thoughts on other sectionals that are out there. Providence is a really intriguing team because they do have a couple of really nice seniors I think they've known for a long time that this freshman class was going to come up and give them depth, give them better athleticism. Um, and, and obviously last night was a huge turnaround. They had lost in the regular season pretty convincingly to Eastern out of Pekin. Uh, turned it around last night even without uh, their top inside player, Avery Smith. She's out of the lineup with concussion protocols. But they jumped all over them, and that's a team that has just improved so much from the start of the season to now. I've had an opportunity to see Providence play on two or three occasions, and they threw a lot of freshmen out there on the court. You know, they were you know playing four at any given time uh, as part of their top six or seven in that nucleus. And when you're playing a young team like that, you're going to have your ups and downs. It's going to take them a while to get acclimated to that change from middle school to high school. But I think. Um, you know, they've got a good coaching staff over there, um, added, added some veteran coaches to go along with Coach Burton, uh, and they've brought that team along to where they're, they're going to be very competitive to come out of that sectional. Lanesville, you know, they've got a great sophomore class, and they're going to continue to be really good, but with Lindsey Werner as a senior this year, um, I think this is their best possibility to compete for a state championship um, maybe last year. They had the talent, but a lot of those kids were freshmen, and now they've they've been through the battles here. They had the disappointment of not winning in the regionals, and I think they've been very focused since then, seeing them play in the offseason, seeing them play out of the court in tournament earlier this year. Um, they're getting it after defensively. They've got better balance between the inside and outside. It's a tough sectional. Uh, Borden is obviously very solid. Rock Creek is having one of their best seasons in a couple decades. But if Lanesville's on top of their game, uh, not only in the sectional, but really throughout the state tournament, this could be a really special run for Angie's team. Could they get to Indianapolis? Is that very possible, very likely? I think absolutely. Um, you know, they've, they've run to that stumbling block of playing in, the, uh, in that regional. But Trinity Lutheran, they lost to James Kidd to graduation last year. That's up at Butler now to come see is still solid, but they had some pretty significant graduation losses. So I think it'll be some of the same faces that we have seen up there, but in terms of their personnel, they have all taken a step back and Lanesville's better. So I, I really think this has been the hump to get over is the regional. And I think semi-state 
will probably be an easier road if they get there um, than what they will face this week or next week. So I think they've got an outstanding chance. And, you know, if they win the state championship, there's not many coaches in state history that have multiple state titles at, uh, at different schools. And Angie would join Donna Cheatham, who won state championships at Scottsburg and then Southwestern Hanover is the only ones in this area that accomplished that if they were able to come through. Well, let's see if the Eagles can get it done. Uh, Silver Creek has set the bar pretty high recently as far as uh, having a local entry. You and I, in fact, were there for at least one of those state championship broadcasts here on the Big X when uh, Silver Creek able to, to bring it home, and we'll see if Lanesville could could make its way back. They, I think, definitely of the local groups, and we're extending ourselves out to Harrison County to say this, but definitely <laughs> the, the best option to make the state uh, finals, make a state championship game, uh, is Coach Angie Hinton and the Lanesville Eagles. Brian Sullivan with me talking girls sectionals, and Brian, uh, new format for the tournaments. Uh, we've got regionals coming up after this week. It's a one-game regional, a two-game semi-state. I know we've had this conversation on the boys' side about what it will look like and, and what the feel will, will be, but any thoughts on this new shakeup? I'm excited that with, with twice as many semi-state locations now that New Albany is actually going to be a semi-state host, and we know Jeffersonville has had that for several years and done an outstanding job. And Charlestown always uh, puts on a fantastic show. And then this will be the first time in a long time, not counting you know sectionals back prior to the start of class basketball, but that as we get deeper into the tournament, the New Albany has an opportunity to host. It's probably been going back to the 1940s. So it's an opportunity for us to show off the changes that are taking place here uh, with the new scoreboards and the video screens and, and have four schools from outside the area most likely coming in here uh, to play and, and show fans here locally, you know, some of the teams that they don't get an opportunity to see. So we're excited to, to host that and, and uh, maybe even put some of the ball games on the air when that time comes. Absolutely. Brian Sullivan, WNAS New Albany on girls sectional action. Brian, enjoy the week. We'll catch up again soon. All right. Thank you, Matt. That's going to wrap things up for this Thursday program. Get out to a girls sectional tonight or this weekend, and I'll be back with you Friday. More on IU Purdue coming up then. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>